Well, good morning, Cap City Church. I am Pastor Jonathan Barker, and I am happy to be here today. <laughs> I can't believe it's only been two months. Uh, doesn't it seem like times went kind of slow since uh, we all met a couple months ago on April 3rd? Um, we're glad to be here with you. Unfortunately, uh, we're not all here. One of the boys was up all night getting sick. Allison uh, can't be here, but she wanted me to make sure that you knew that she was excited to be here today, and uh, Lord willing, she'll be here with you next week. Uh, I've, I've got a couple things we want to cover, and I'm sure there's so much we want to get to know about each other. Um, we're going to have a, a time of reception after the service, so we can hang out a little bit and get to know each other a little bit, and we'll continue to do that over the next few weeks. Um, but for this morning, uh, we want to focus on lifting our praises to our Creator. We want to hear and receive the Word of God and allow it to transform our lives. So just before we do that, um, here in a second, my friend Thaddeus will introduce the group. They've so graciously uh, helped us out this morning. You guys probably know a couple named Eric and Kayla. Kayla's last name's Heron now, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I was going to ask you to give them a hand because even though I told him to completely forget about the church for two weeks, you know they're watching. I know you're watching, Eric. Uh, so uh, them being gone and their family members means uh, that we needed some help with worship and it being my first week and I've still been asking questions like, what's the wireless password and can I have a key and uh, different things like that. So I'm so glad that Thaddeus and his group are here. Um, our district superintendent, Pastor Joe Duvall, and his wife, Peggy, are here. Would you stand just so we could greet you and welcome you this morning? <laughs> Pastor Joe is a good, longtime family friend of, of mine, and my mom and dad, Tom and Sue, are sitting right in front of them, and uh, I'm so thankful that uh, he and I have been able to work together um, to where we could just obey and understand God's calling for the Barker family to be here at Cap City Church. Hey, if you're watching online today... We want you to know that you're welcome to, and uh, I am the new pastor, so we hope that you'll check things out and uh, you'll watch today, um, and if you like what you see, you'll come and check things out next week, and if you don't, we hope that you'll give us another week, right? So uh, just, before we, just before we head into a time of worship, we want to take some time to, to pray, and I want to preface that with this thought. Allison and I have genuinely sensed the prayer life of this church over the last two months. It is clear to us that there is a strong prayer life here. I was here Tuesday morning to pray with the group that came, and I'm so thankful that there is a group of individuals who understands the power of prayer. And I don't want that to change, church. I want us to continue to grow in that. Let's bow our heads this morning. Father, we're thankful and grateful today that we are all gathered together in this place. Thanks for a church that's willing to welcome the new guy. Help us, Lord, just to grow together as a family. I know you're doing great things to, today at this church, God, and you've been moving in a mighty way. And so, Lord, we want to just continue to lean into that, to stay out of the way of the Holy Spirit. And, Lord, I pray that during this time of worship that you would heighten our awareness of your spirit. Lord, that you would help us to obey and change the things that you speak to us and about us in our lives today as we go into this time of praise. Help us shut off those things that are outside of what it would take to worship you, Lord, and understand that every good and perfect thing comes from you, and so we should return praise for it. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
Thank you, Jonathan. Well, hey, everybody. This is us. Look at us. Yeah, we're, we're your visitors. Now, I don't know about you, but when visitors come to my house, I'm usually curious about who they are. All right, so I like to know who's coming to my house. So I'm going to let you know who we are before we ever get started this morning. Over here is our wonderful singer. Her name is Amy. Everybody say hi, Amy. Yeah. Good morning. Good morning. Over here on lead guitar is a guy that absolutely loves attention. Will love if you just stare at him all morning. This is my buddy, Kyle. And we tried to get our drummer as far away from us as possible. So, y'all back, y'all right back there? All right. No, we had some, uh, some, some weird sound stuff going on, so, so he moved back there and things are sounding a little better. So, anybody, wait, Mel, meet Seth, welcome. <laughs> that one's mine. She loves attention as much as he does. All right. Anyway, I tell you what, one of the biggest blessings in my life has been getting my family involved in worship. Um, our bass player uh, for many years, a, a good friend of mine, he was the one that did all the talking for us. So when he left, he, we, we lost a big part of our band, but he, he decided it was time for him to retire. And we're, we're still trying to get him to come back and play keys for us. So uh, I talked with Jordan and I said, hey, what do you, what do you think about, about playing the bass? And she started playing, and I thought, you know what? That, that kid's not too bad. So anyway, uh, God's really blessed us. If you have a dad joke, make sure you tell it to her before worship is over. <laughs> but everybody make Jordan feel welcome this morning. <laughs> All right. My name is Thaddeus, and, uh, yeah, my parents, they, they picked between Bart and Thaddeus. So I'm kind of glad they went with Thaddeus. <laughs> you know, Bart, Bart's a cool name, too. But thank you so much for welcoming, welcoming us to your church this morning. Now, before we get started, I want to let you know something. We don't plan on worshiping at you. We plan on worshiping with you. Follow me? All right? Now, if you want to look, listen to Amy's pretty voice, my wife always goes, I love hearing Amy sing. Never me. Never me, but Amy. If you want to listen to Amy's pretty voice, that's okay. If you want to hear the drummer play some cool drum licks, that's great. And I'll tell you what, God has blessed these musicians up here, but that is not our purpose here this morning. And let me tell you something else. We don't worship God because of what he does for us. We worship him because of who he is. Amen. That's good stuff, Jonathan. Write that one down. We worship him because of who he is. So this morning, I want you to stand up. I want you to sing loud. I want you to have a wonderful time worshiping our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, this morning. Amen? Amen. Let's worship.
Speak. 
clap offering to the Lord this morning, church. There's been many times, there's been many times as a pastor that I've stood and recognized the, the presence of the Holy Spirit moving in a place and said, Lord, what on earth do I say right now? And in this moment, I'll tell you that I feel compelled to say very little and allow the Holy Spirit to con continue to speak into your hearts and your minds, whatever it is that you need to receive this morning. Uh, during this third song, we're going to open the altars for prayer and we have pastors on either side of the altar that are ready to pray for you if you'd like someone specifically to, to pray for you or you can come and I'll pray for you or you can come and kneel at this altar but while we pray and while we're in a spirit of prayer the, the next song we're going to sing simply says I searched the world but it couldn't fill me and the course says there's nothing better than you yes. nothing better than you every struggle every Every place of anxiety or worry or concern you have today is because you're believing something in your life is better than Jesus. And as soon as you surrender that and surrender fully to him, you're going to see things turn around. So we're going to let them sing and we're just going to invite you to come and pray as you feel led this morning. I search the Oh, there's nothing better than you. 
We got people praying. We're gonna throw you a little a little monkey wrench here. Let's go back and do the I speak Jesus. I just wanna speak the name of Jesus over every heart and every mind. Cause I know there is peace within your presence. Help me. I speak Jesus. That's good. I just want to speak the name of Jesus. Sing the roof off, church. Dark addiction starts to break. Yes. Declaring there is hope and there is freedom. I speak Jesus. Jesus from the mountains, 
like to worship, don't you? <laughs> so do we, man. It's a blast. Oh, my voice is going to just go on me in this next song, but we got to do it. You guys can have a seat for a minute. Just relax yourselves a little bit. So we, we go through different songs, you know. Usually churches don't have us back, so we only have to do five. <laughs> well, but if you ever have us back, we'll learn some new ones. But no, we like to learn new songs. We like to go and do different things. But this song has lasted with us for quite a while. And I don't, know, I don't know if we'll ever get rid of it because of just how powerful of a message it has for all of us as a band, but for me and my family personally. Um, we, we love our kids. And, and when I say we love our kids, I know everybody does that, but, but that is really just the, the core of our life. We, and, and those of you who are parents, you'll know what I'm saying, that when you have your first child, the word love takes a whole new meaning. It takes a whole new meaning to you. So when my first one was born, I mean, yeah, yeah. all right back there. You hit your notes. That was nice. That was smooth. When she was back there, she was back there. But when she was born, I mean, that was amazing. Jonathan, I bought, you know me, I bought like a baby. Oh, it was so awesome. Every time she'd cry, I'd ball a little more. We were crying together. Our first cry together when she was right there in the hospital. Then we had Eli come along. And Eli's our lefty. He says, he says he's going to the major leagues. He's been talking to me about what all he's going to buy when, you know, he's, he's wanting to buy people houses. He doesn't want to buy stuff for himself. But he's pretty so good. when Eli becomes a baseball player, you know, look him up because he wants to buy people stuff. Then along came Kaylin. Uh, now, don't, I'm not, I'm not misrepresenting Eli's 10, KK's 9. We'll talk about that later. So KK comes along, and KK is going to set the world on fire. Come see me in about 15 or 20 years. She's either going to be a billionaire or still living with me. Not sure which one. Not sure which one. So we love, like all our kids are, they're so unique, but they're so similar to each other. It's, it's really awesome. So now she, she was born in 2009 
And in 2015, we were pregnant with baby number four. We were pumped. We, uh, we found out going to be a girl, going to call her baby Allie, Alicia Joel. And man, life was great. Like, like we were so pumped. And then in um, late February, Sally said to me, she's like, I, I'm not sure the baby's moving. She's like, I'm pretty nervous about this. And those of you who are ladies in here, you, you know, you, you, you have that special relationship with that little, that little baby inside you. And so she was very worried and she said, well, she goes, I'll just, I'll go to the doctor and, and I'll tell you church to this day, I regret not going with her. But she, she sent me a text, says, I need you here. So they told us that we would get to meet baby Allie, but she wouldn't be going home with us. And we, we had a, a birth of a, of a beautiful little girl, perfect little girl. Doctors aren't sure what happened, but I can tell you this. We hear lots of great stories about these wonderful Christians who, in the midst of chaos and in the midst of pain, they call out to Jesus. That wasn't me, church. I was furious. I was angry. And it didn't matter if I was talking to the Holy Spirit, to my Father, to Jesus. I was mad at them all. I was hurting. I sat in the waiting room, and Jonathan, you know Pastor Brian. Pastor Brian came to visit, and we're sitting there. We sat for a long time without saying a word. And he looked over at me and goes, he goes, I've been re researching all day what to say. He goes, I have nothing. I, I don't know what words to say. <laughs> so when I went back for the first time, when he handed me that little girl, I tell you, church, it, I didn't even realize my mouth was talking. But I heard myself crying out, Jesus, help me. And I looked down at my little girl, and the Spirit just started to pour down upon me. All that anger, all my hate, all my frustration, he was there with me in that moment. And I tell you this for a couple of reasons today, church. Number one, you are human. You will get knocked down. It's not going to be fun. But I also want you to know this. He will pick you back up. He will pick you back up every single time. Now, I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to tell you this. One other thing I want you to know. My wife is such a wonderful person. And, 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 and she and I were trying to figure out why. Why does God let us go through this stuff? And she figured it out. I didn't figure it out. I was still pretty upset. And she said, honey... At some point, there's going to be somebody else that goes through this, and we're going to be there for him. I said, okay. So whatever battle you're going through today, he's going to get you over it, number one. And number two, there's a reason for it, even if you don't see that now, right? So I'm going to ask you to stand one more time and sing with us. But this morning, I want you to be singing as a prayer. Not just the words coming out of your mouth, but I want you to sing from the depths of your heart to our Father in heaven. Walking around these walls 
promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness, faithfulness. I'm still in his hands. This is my confidence. You never fail. Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness, faithfulness. I'm still in your hands. This is my confidence. You never failed me yet. Never failed me yet. No, I never will forget. No, you never failed me yet. Oh, I never will forget. Father God, we thank you so much for giving us an opportunity to come before you. We pray that our song was a sweet, sweet sound to your ears, Father. Thank you so much for giving us the opportunity to meet this wonderful congregation of Capital City, Father God. Give them this new journey. Give them opportunities. Opportunities that they may go out and show the world what Jesus means to the people of Capital City. That they might have opportunities each and every day to show people what you will do in their lives. Father, keep pouring down the glory. We feel the glory here this morning. Don't let that stop. Father God, as Pastor Jonathan begins this journey, God, you and I know something this church doesn't know. They're getting an absolute gem in this pastor. Father God, bless Jonathan and his family. Bless this ministry. And bless the rest of our worship this morning as we praise your name. And all of God's people say... Thaddeus just asked me if I was already packing my bags. We'll say I'm moving in, not moving out, huh? So a couple weeks ago, I had to go to Boston for some schooling I'm doing. And our professor has what he calls a carry-on challenge. Everybody understand that this is a carry-on, right? It should be a carry-on. Um, if you take a bag bigger than this, they want you to check it in. Um, I think he tried to make it a game, but I really think he just didn't want to wait on us to get our luggage when he was picking us up from the airport. I think that's what it was about. Um, so I'll have you know I accepted the carry-on challenge for uh, a full week in Boston where the weather was going to be between 30 and 80 while we were there. Um, and we were going to go to a beach, to a museum, uh, possibly to a Red Sox game. I mean, we had to be ready for everything. And I fit everything in this bag. And I'll let you know, on the flight there and on the flight back, I was on a plane so small they made me check it anyway. Uh, but it goes along with what we're talking about today. We're going to start off our journey together on a journey. Uh, this series that we're going to come out of the gate with uh, is called From Here to There. From Here to There. Does everyone understand that right now you are here? Like, no matter where you are, you are always here. If somebody asks you where you are, you can always answer, I'm right here. You always have a position in life, and that is you're here. And somewhere in your life, there will be 
a there. You will move from a here to a there. Um, and over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about some steps we need to take if we want to see God uh, in his presence and, and be able to answer his call in our life. And we're going to do this by looking at the journey that the Israelites took from Egypt through the desert into the promised land. Let's just, I, I'm kind of interested though, um, th- this will help me kind of set the tone for where we're headed today. I'm going to ask you to, to pick which group you're going to be in and raise your hand for me just so I can get a feel for what type of person you are. The, the two groups will either be, I love to go on vacation or there's no place like home, okay? I love to go on vacation or there's no place like home. If, you're, if you love to go on vacation, let's see your hand. All right. What if there's no place like home? No place like home. Okay. It'd be interesting to kind of do an age demographic study of whose hands went up, uh, but, you know, for me, I, I, again, just traveling recently, I thought about all the things that we have to do when we're going to take a trip, especially if I'm going to go with the carry-on challenge. I can take this. I can't take this. By the way, when you're traveling in America, like, there's a Walmart, right? If you forget something, it's not going to be that big of a deal. But maybe some of you, just the stress of doing it, of, of booking the ticket or getting the rental car or the hotel, wondering if you spent too much money, if it's going to live up to your expectations, what the weather's going to be like, having that buyer's remorse, seller's remorse, that you went the wrong place, you could have went somewhere better, maybe you should have just stayed home. Huh. So... I think one of the most important things we do when we read scripture is say, what was going on there and how does that relate to where I am today? And this story really lends itself to that. If you want to find yourself in Exodus chapter 1, we'll have it on the screen. We're going to look at a couple passages today in Exodus 1 and Exodus 4. But the the first title in our series is Book the Trip. Book the Trip. I don't know if you've ever heard anybody say that. You're going back and forth. Maybe you're floundering a little bit. Somebody just, just book the trip. I've had to do that before. I couldn't decide, and I thought, if I buy a ticket, I always buy non-refundable, though, so it's not really much of a buy-in. But we need some people to book the trip with God, and we need them to buy a non-refundable one-way ticket. Exodus chapter 1, verses 7 through 11, we're going to answer the question, where were the Israelites, and why couldn't they stay there? If you remember, the the book of Genesis, right before Exodus, it ends with Joseph. After all the hardships that he had gone through in his life, he had become friends with the leadership in Egypt. And and, and by this, he had saved the Israelite people uh, with his wisdom and saving food and resources. And the Israelites were doing very, very well in Egypt. But Exodus 1 7 says, the sons of Israel were fruitful and increased greatly and multiplied and became exceedingly mighty so that the land was filled with them. God's people rose up so greatly, the government started to worry about them. The government's not worrying enough about us, church. I take offense to that. Verse 8, now a new king arose over Egypt who did not know Joseph. He said to his people, behold, the people of the sons of Israel are more and mightier than we. Come, let us deal wiser with them or else they will multiply. And in the event of war, they will join themselves to those who hate us, fight against us and depart from the land. So they appointed taskmasters over them to afflict them with hard labor. 
the enemy will bring affliction and oppression upon you anytime you try to rise up and join forces with his enemy. Geographically, the Israelites were in Egypt. And we think so much about that time that they had there as a hard time, but if we look at the beginning of Exodus 1, things were going pretty well for them. It wasn't until this turn in leadership, this turn in recognition, that things started to go south for them. Egypt wasn't a bad place to start out with. In that place, it said that they were fruitful, that they increased, they multiplied, and they were mighty. This is all good stuff. But there was a change in leadership. They moved from freedom to bondage, from prosperity to hardship. Perhaps in their prospering, the Lord was not being acknowledged as he should have been. How could a leader raise up who did not know the Lord unless the Lord was not being made known? As a result, for the next 430 years, they lived under the rule of taskmasters. Too many times, I think we read the Bible as a storybook and say something like, well, they had to go through hardship. God had to put them through hardship for 430 years. I don't think we need to paint God with that brush. That's not the God that I served. They quit acknowledging God. A leader rose up where he wasn't hearing about Yahweh anymore. And I wonder how often in our lives, 430 years, I mean, two years of having to deal with COVID and wearing masks and shots and this and that and the other, and going, man, the Satan's just all over us. What? What? 430 years. So what about us? What familiar places in our lives started out of places of health or wealth or prosperity? Most of those places probably came from a place of struggle, just like Joseph experienced, from a place of hard work, a place of commitment. Throughout our lives, we might pray our way through, through, through college. We, we long to, to be married to someone. We seek a career. We pray for our children. We pray for a home. And in our desire to acquire many of these things, our dependency on God is strong. But often as we acquire blessing, our dependency on the blesser begins to dwindle. The taskmaster of sin and sinful attributes begin to creep in. They begin to take control ever so slightly and eventually steal our belief that we could ever break free from those ideas that plague our life. After so long, just like the Israelites, it will be the only reality we ever remember or know. Many of us never go on vacation because we don't think we need it. We don't think that we are tired. We downplay our pain, our stress, or our anxiety. Um, but among the many benefits uh, of rest that we could find in Scripture, the one who struggles to rest struggles to relinquish control to God's sovereignty. Those people possess unchecked pride, and they have an unhealthy belief that things won't work without them around. Again, we're going to trust that Eric and Kayla aren't watching this right now because they're on their honeymoon. And you shouldn't be watching. Turn it off, Eric. I said, this church will work without you. And I really like Eric. I do. He's, he's already one of my favorite guys. But, but things will work without you. Some of you don't think your house, your church, your school, your career won't work without you. You are not God. They will be okay without you. What ends up happening is we become as foolish as an Israelite slave that would have the stripes of a whip across their back and say that their situation is acceptable. Patterns of sin, habits, and attitudes, and spiritual disciplines, or a lack thereof, go unexamined, and we accept our lot in life and our lower level of spirituality. 
but God will not leave us like this. He spoke to Moses in the wilderness. He showed him signs and wonders and told him to go to the Israelites and lead them to freedom. Let's look at what Moses and Aaron said to the people and how they responded in Exodus chapter 4, verse 29. Man, I'll tell you what, I've, I have had... I haven't preached in five weeks. I was just telling somebody it's been over a decade since I went that long without preaching. And I actually had a couple butterflies this morning. Um, but I was trying to decide what to bring to you. And, and I, I've preached a message kind of about this before, but I, I've never used this text. And I couldn't believe how much God showed to me in these three verses a few weeks ago when I was preparing for this day. It says, Then Moses and Aaron went and assembled all the elders of the sons of Israel. And Aaron spoke all the words which the Lord had spoken to Moses. Those words which the Lord spoke to Moses at the burning bush. He then performed the signs in the sight of the people. So the people believed. And when they heard that the Lord was concerned about the sons of Israel and that had seen their affliction, then they bowed low in worship. In these three verses, we see the, the three actions taken by the people of Israel. They believed, they heard, and they worshiped. They believed, they heard, and they worshiped. If we want to stop settling for where our life is today or where we have lesser living, which, by the way, I hope is everyone because he always has more for you. Always has more for you. I've already heard the testimony of one of our members here who said, I just started doing stuff and God gave me something else to do. I didn't know I had a purpose. And then it just seemed like as they were telling me the story, it seemed like every day they woke up with a willing and surrendered heart that God just gave them something new to do. But you start with a belief. You start with a belief or an increase in faith. Just like the Israelites, the taskmasters of sin, uh, the oppression, the depression, the anxiety will drain you of your belief. It will drain you of your belief. For the journey to begin, belief must be intact. This is an argument that I'll develop for you in another day. But I wonder how big or small our faith can be. If Jesus said that a faith the size of the mustard seed could move a mountain, is there really such thing as a small faith? You either believe that he's able or you don't. And if you don't believe that he's able, you're putting your belief and your hope and your trust in other things. For the journey to begin, our belief in God must be fully intact. They believed after they saw the signs of the Lord. And you've seen the signs of the Lord. Our lack of belief today is not from a lack of evidence, but from a lack of acknowledging the evidence of God. He had always been their God, and they had always been his people. He's always been your God, and you've always been his people. But as we see throughout the history of Israel, and we see in our own lives, a lack of or a diminishing belief always seems to follow times of blessing. Every time they were blessed in the Old Testament, then it says something about, and then they did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. We look back and ask where things went wrong when we should be asking, where did I stop nurturing, nurturing my belief? Look back to where things went wrong and see how you trailed off in your prayer journal. See how you stopped getting down on your knees when you woke up in the morning. See how you replaced that time of scripture reading with another three hours of Netflix. Not praying like we should. Not nurturing our faith. Not sharing our faith. If you don't share your faith, it will die. It will die. You were given faith to share it with others. Step one in the journey is owning, nurturing, and bolstering our faith and our belief in him 
for everything in our life. Step two is actively hearing the word of God. Actively hearing the word of God. That's what happened to them. They heard that the Lord was concerned about them. And that he saw their affliction. Here's good news for you today. God sees your affliction and he is concerned for you. Don't believe any other lie. If you're suffering from any kind of affliction, he hears you and he is concerned for you. We become like the child. What what happens is that um, many of us don't like the way that God shows his concern for us. That's where we get into a struggle sometimes. Sometimes, you know, you just want people, you just want to tell them to mind their own business. They're trying to help, really. You know that? You know there's well, the, you know who I'm talking about. It's not you. It's somebody else. That well-meaning person that's just trying to show their concern for you by pointing out the sins in your life and reminding you how you're doing things wrong and that kind of thing. That's maybe not their job, but it, it is a little bit of the Holy Spirit's job, isn't it? We don't like the way that God shows concern for us. We become like the child that feels like their parents are simply nagging them and restricting them from having any kind of fun. We say that we want a God who loves us, but what most of us really mean is we want a God that won't discipline us and just help us feel good all the time. That's really what we're looking for. You can't move into freedom if you refuse to respond to God's concerning discipline that he speaks through the Holy Spirit. And the, big th- and the big things, maybe some of you today say, my sin's too big, my struggle's too big, my anxiety, my depression, my situation's too big. And the big things, we struggle because the enemy, enemy tells you that you can't overcome it. You really do. You believe, that you believe the lie that you can't overcome it. And you can't by yourself. You need God. It requires life-changing sacrifice that might even people, cause people to question who you are, what your motives are. They might question your identity or your direction in life. By the way, if you're a new Christian here today, and we're going to take in some new members at the end of the service, I can't wait, that's going to be so exciting. By the way, if you're a new Christian today, you have a greater opportunity than anyone else to share your faith because you get to show the greatest change. Now, some of you have been saved for a long time. So what about me, Pastor? I, I can still show. Well, you got to keep changing. you got to keep growing. Amen. Do you know everyone in your life that has refused or declined your faith just hasn't been very impressed with what you've got? They're not really impressed with your love or your joy or your peace. Or your, I, I mean, the Bible talks about peace that passes all understanding. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. Do you know what peace that passes all understanding and joy uh, that's unspeakable and full of glory, do you know what that looks like? It's a man who's struggling to overcome cancer, bowing at the altar, not saying a word about prayer for himself, but praying for this church. That's contagious. That's what causes people. Yeah, give him a hand. That's what causes people to say, what do they have and how do I get it? If people aren't coming to church with you, they might not want to be around you. Do you understand that for starters? People come to church with their friends. That's a lot. That's pretty hard, Pastor, for your first week. It'll get worse, I promise. (laughs) You can't be cranky to your neighbor all the time and be like, hey, Easter's coming. You coming to church? We're having breakfast. It's not how it works. It's not how it works. But are we still changing enough? Christian, are we still growing enough? Are we still sacrificing enough, growing in humility enough for others to see the reason for the hope that is in us? 
Do you ever notice that when you get a new car, how all of a the sudden there's a thousand of those on the road? You know what I'm talking about? I mean, I guess it depends on how expensive the car is and what you buy, buy and what color, that kind of thing. But does everybody understand that there aren't, like, everybody didn't go and buy one that day? More of the car, those cars didn't instantly hit the road. Your awareness of those just became heightened. In the same sense, when we buy into the plan that God has for our lives, our awareness for his activity is heightened and fresh revelation is all around us. We said that lack of belief is not from a lack of evidence and in the same way, a lack of hearing is never because of a lack of God speaking. It comes from a lack of obeying and then changing what God has spoken into our lives. If you didn't do the last thing he told you to do, you're not going to hear anything else. Do you get that? It comes from a lack of obeying and then changing what God has spoken into our lives. If you don't feel like you've heard from God lately, go back to the last thing you heard him say and begin or continue to respond to that. They believed, they heard, and they worshiped. Lack of worship is not because he is not worthy. You don't, you don't struggle to worship. Hear me, church. You don't struggle to worship because of the song that's being sung. You don't struggle to worship because you don't like the style of the music that's being used. Both of those excuses show that your worship is more about you than it is about God. The struggle to worship will always be rooted in pride. On the flip side, just because you sing in church, I got you all, I won't just pick on half of you. Just because you sing in church doesn't mean you're living a life of worship. The scriptures both acknowledge and warn that we can praise him with our lips while our hearts, while our lives, while our bodies, while our actions are far from him. We worship him with songs of praise, with acts of love, with our generosity and our finances, with purity of hearts and body. Cap City, we want to start a new journey with God together. And if we're going to book the trip, we've got to have a renewed sense of belief that he is going to do what he says he is going to do. We have to hear and respond to the voice of God. We have to worship because he is worthy. So how do we practically do these things? I think it's important. We've talked about maybe why you should do those things. But let's give you a very simple practical application for each of these. How do I believe? How do I bolster? How do I start to believe? How do I continue in my belief? If you're living with any sin in your life, if you're living with any sin in your life, let me share a quote with you this morning from Martin Luther King Jr. that he wrote from his cell in Birmingham, Alabama. He said, we know through painful experience that freedom is never voluntarily given by the oppressor. It must be demanded by the oppressed. We know that through painful experience that freedom is never voluntarily given by the oppressor. It must be demanded by the oppressed. What's that mean? The enemy isn't just going to wake up tomorrow morning and get off your back. Some of us keep going to bed at night asking God to forgive us for what we did, that sin we continued in, and think we're going to wake up in the morning and it's just going to go away. Do you remember what what God said to Moses at the burning bush, he said, I have heard the cries of my people. 
The oppressed begin to cry out. You can't allow yourself to sit and sulk in your sin and your shame and your guilt. You have to cry out so that God might break those strongholds. How do I hear and obey? First, you have to make space to hear him. I'll come after your quiet time or your noisy time, however you want to say it, a lot, a lot, because I think it's one of the greatest struggles and greatest enemies of the church today is how much our face is stuck in a screen. How do I hear and obey? First, you make space to hear him. The scriptures say, be still and know that he is God. In other words, if you want to know where God is, you've got to get into a place where he can speak to you. He's not going to compete for your attention. I wonder how many of us truly spend quiet time, phone turned off, screens turned off, away from the distractions. Even even though I don't feel like the struggle for most is hearing God, but changing what he tells you to change. Pharaoh heard the voice of God. Do you get that this morning? Pharaoh heard the voice of God. Moses came before him every time and said, hey, thus saith the Lord. He had the word of God in front of him all the time, but Pharaoh wasn't changing. If God is giving instruction, he is prescribing change in your life. If we've grown stale or grumpy in our faith, you can have grumpy faith. I don't, I don't, that's kind of an oxymoron, I think, but you know what I'm talking about. If we've grown stale or grumpy in our faith, it's because we've hardened our heart towards God's discipline in some area of our life. We get annoyed by it, don't we? Finally, Pharaoh just said, what do we have to do to get rid of this guy? What do we have to do to get rid of this guy? What do I have to do to shut the voice of the Lord off? Because it's making me cranky. It's making me irritated. There's a good chance that if you're growing less younger, if you're growing in age, and you're not growing in faith and joy and peace and all those things, the fruits of spirit say that we're supposed to have somewhere in your life, God spoke to you and you said, no, God, I'm not interested in that. And and you just kept brushing aside where God said, okay, I'll, I'll leave you alone if that's what you want. Fresh revelation from the voice of God is the lifeblood of our spirituality. And when we resist to heed to his voice, we dam up the flow of his voice and his spirit. You don't want to be there, Christian. Maybe somebody's there today. You don't want to dam up the flow of his voice and his spirit. We struggle to change because we don't believe that God's plan for your life is greater than the sin you're continuing in. Did you know that's what's happening? When you continue in sin, that God tells you, go away, you're basically saying, I enjoy this sin greater than I have a desire for what God wants to do in my life. Then there's the worship piece. This one's the easiest, at least the easiest to explain. Where are you not worshiping him? I'll I'll keep it G even instead of whatever higher rating might be. Your body? Is your body worshiping God the way it should be in every way that the Holy Spirit's speaking to you right now? Is your mind worshiping him? Is your heart, your job, your career, your family? Where am I not worshiping him? There's a thousand different answers, but I'm sure if you simply ask the question, God, where am I not worshiping like I should? He will be right there with the answer. Hear what he says, respond accordingly, and watch your belief in him grow. I'm going to invite the team to come now. Um, We are going to do a time response. I know we had a great time of prayer earlier.
It's great to be in the midst of, of the Spirit moving during the time of worship. It's great to come and ask someone to, to pray for our needs or pray for the needs of others. But I think there's something very, very important about responding specifically to the word of the Lord that we've heard today. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. And by the way, for those of you that have been keeping track and judging everything that I've done in this service since I'm the new guy, it'll probably change next week, so don't worry about it too much. (laughs) Bow your heads for me this morning, and I've got four questions for you, and you can answer as many as you want just by lifted hand. I'm not keeping count. Just in case you're curious, from this stage, I can't see most of you, and I don't really know many of you yet. You're, you're, making, you're raising your hand and to, to acknowledge to God that this is something that you want, and I'm going, collectively, this week, I'm going to pray for this congregation that God answers these prayers. I'm not worshiping like I should, Pastor. Pray for me. Would you raise your hand? I'm not worshiping like I should, Pastor. Pray for me. I've heard God's voice, but need to change something. If that's you this morning, I've heard God's voice, but I've refused to change. No, I need to. Do you slip your hand up right now? Yeah, just whatever he's asking you to change, just slip your hand up. Thank you, thank you. I don't believe like I should. Will you pray for my faith to increase? I want the faith you're talking about, Pastor. Just slip your hand up. He wants to help you increase that belief. Pastor, I need to start a relationship with Jesus today. I don't have a relationship with him. Is there anybody here that would just say, I don't have a relationship with him today? Pastor, would you pray for me? Every question, hands went up. Now listen, we're talking about going on a journey. You've got to carry on challenge from the pastor. Too many of us are trying to carry too much with us. We have to make the decisions about what needs to go, what we can take with us. So many things need left behind. Even if you've been walking this journey for 10 or 20 or 30 years, as you go along the journey, God might ask for more things to be stripped away. But taking a journey is always about making a move. It's always about the next step. It's always about action. And so this morning, as they they play this last song, I'm going to ask you to stand and to me, still the, the, the greatest altar call song that's ever written. I don't know that they'll ever beat it. It's just called, Oh, Come to the Altar. What a great invitation. The Father's arms are open wide. And listen, I know a lot of pastors say stuff like, they, they want to fill the altar. So they'll say stuff here like, hey, it's my first Sunday, so impress me and come down and pray. Or you, if you just want to pray for the future of this church, man, I hope you've been praying for the future of this church. I want people down at this altar that raise their hand to one of those four questions saying, God, I need to worship you. God, I need to give my life to you. God, there's something in my life that I know the Holy Spirit wants me to change, and I just keep holding on and fighting. Man, he's so gracious. He's still going to be right here waiting with his arms open wide to receive you. Let me me just pray for you. Bow your heads this morning. I'm going to pray over you, and then we're just going to take a few minutes to be obedient to the Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you this morning that your arms are always open wide. God, that you have heard the cries of your people, that you want to renew our belief. Lord, that you want us to help, help help us to hear your voice and respond accordingly. 
God, I, I truly believe that then and only then can we worship you as we should with everything turned over to you, fully surrendered, nothing between us and between you. Help us to honor you during this time of prayer. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. is real. 
come to the altar the father's arms are Capital City, I, I want to stay in a spirit of worship, but I do want you to raise an applause for Tom and his whole team around here this morning. Let's give them a hand. I will, I will tell you, it's very, it's very easy for me to play a guitar and lead worship. It's very hard for me to put down a guitar and talk. And what I found is that there are some people that they just have a special gift. And Tom, man, I... I I, brother, I love you. You, you. That was awesome today. I really appreciate that. I got to meet Carl Ray. I mean, it's such a beautiful, beautiful place. You guys are awesome. And we love you. And there's nothing you can do about that. <laughs> so go with you. Pastor Jonathan, thanks again. God bless you all. Thaddeus in the group I hand today. All right, if you're in the house today, if you'll just have a seat, we've just got a, a couple more things we want to take care of. If you're watching online, uh, we're going to say goodbye to you. We just have a couple things we're going to do here, and, and you're, you know, we can't tell you what it is because you're not here. If you come next week, you'll be able to see what's going on, right? Yeah. So we'll say see you later, and we'll hope to see you sometime in the near future. What we're going to do right now, and, and like I said, it's important, but we're not going to take a lot of time, and I hope that you'll stay. Um, we're going to take in some new members, so we're going to invite those who are candidates to become new members of Cap City Church to 